Hi Lisa. Hi. How are you? How are you? Good. That's good. Uh, I've had a couple of your friends on the podcast. Mm. Elma and Kim. Kim. I was just wondering, um, so you're my sister? <laughs> I am, yes. Baby, baby sister? <laughs> Only sister. Only sister. Five boys, aren't you lucky? Aren't I lucky? Yeah. Um, I was just thinking that they probably, there's things about you they don't know. Oh, and they reckon that you're one of their mates, and maybe they don't, don't know. Her. Oh, Kim, I thought you meant the boys. Kim. Yeah. Oh, them too. Mm, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Kim, your friends, they don't know half your story. Yeah. Well, they're about to find out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I got a few stories. Yeah, good. Um, I can remember a long time ago you had an interesting job overseas. With the princess. Yeah. Yeah. Who was that? Yeah. Uh, I think her name was Fatima, one of the princesses of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I was in London and I ran out of money and I was looking for a job. So I went to a nursing agency, a care agency. Nursing agency because you've you've already been trained as a nurse? Yeah. Yeah. I was about 25, I think. Um, And... I heard this woman on the phone talking about the princess and my ears pricked up and I said, oh, I want that job. She said, you do not want this job. I said, yes, I do. She said, trust me, you do not want this job. But I was up for an adventure. So I took the job and I met the princess who was, there's lots of princesses in the, in the royal family. So she's not just one. Um, and she was an older woman, she was about 60 and she had two daughters. And she was traveling from London to Riyadh, where they lived, but they were going via uh, Marbella in southern Spain. So um, we got um, acquainted and she said, come tomorrow, meet you at the airport. And we drove in a, like a stretch limo to the foot of the plane, in, through a gate. We didn't go through customs. We didn't go through anything. Like you see on the movies. Yeah, yeah. All right. And um, so I really didn't know anything. I had a backpack and some shorts. How old were you? 25. Okay. Yeah. I had a, you know, a, a, a bong t-shirt and, and shorts that were ripped. They were my clothes. Yeah, right. And so I was taking this job as like a nanny to these two girls who were eight and nine, Loli and Sarah. And um, so we traveled on this plane, a first class. I don't know whether it was a private plane or not. I don't know, but we were in you know, first class and we had China and everything. Everything. Anyway, so we got to to Marbella and we're in like a compound that had armed guards and big grounds and was right on the water. And her sister, who was Lebanese, lived or had a place around the corner. And I quite liked her um, because she knew that mum was Lebanese and she sort of taught me a few words and it was really nice. But this, this Fatima, or I don't even know whether her name was Fatima. That, but anyway, she she was really unapproachable and she wasn't very nice. And the two girls, the eight-year-old, I can't remember which one she was, Loli or Sarah. Anyway, she was like just a normal little eight-year-old. But the nine-year-old was so obese that I think she was like ninety kilos. Or something. She was huge. What? Oh, they were just they were they just <laughs> ate. They had macas for breakfast. They had whatever they wanted. They each had a private, like a Filipino little girl that ran after them with, with a plate of food all day long, feeding them. 
Wow. And I said, what do you want me to do? Like, do you want me to teach them English? Do you want them to, do you want me to, you know, I didn't even know because they were well, apart from this other one who was obese. She's bigger than me. I'm not very tall, but she was huge, this little like, nine-year-old. Mm. Anyway, the little one started complaining about having um, sore, sore jaw. And I looked in her mouth, her teeth were black, black, like holes, full of cavities. So I went to the, the mum, who I thought was the mum, who turned out that wasn't the mum, I'll tell you that in a sec. How dare you tell me what I should do with my daughter and blah, blah. I said, but isn't that what you employed me for? Anyway, so it was really, really weird. They had this huge walk-in fridge. Were you starting to get worried? Not at that point, no. Right. Um, it was an adventure, mm. yeah. Um, but because I wasn't one of these Filipino maids who were cleaning or looking after, I was treated a little bit differently, so the maids didn't really like me. Um, so I was, I felt a little bit alone, but it was exciting. Mm. You know, I was 25 and working for a royal family was pretty yeah. cool. Unheard of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it turns out that this woman wasn't their mum, she was their grandma. Their mum had died giving birth to the younger one, and their dad, who was the woman's son was off trying to find himself a new wife. Okay. So I thought that was all a bit weird, but they called her mum, thought she was their mum. She was obese herself. She took up like a whole, an entire section of the plane. She couldn't walk unaided. She was so fat. Wow. So it was all very weird. Anyway, um, they eventually locked the fridge because I was eating too much fruit apparently. <laughs> because it was just the best. They locked the fridge so um, that you couldn't get food. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't ring mum or anything. Mum didn't know where I was. No one knew where I was. Um, so you were almost a prisoner. Well, kind of, but I did have a day off. So after like the seventh day, I said, look, you know, I can't work every day. She had my passport. I asked for it back, but she wouldn't give it back to me. She said, no, we'll need that because we're going to Riyadh in a couple of weeks. Um, but I did have a day off and I went into Marbella and I was really upset I got the phone I called mum and I must have rung her in the middle of the night or something and you know as mums do they say something kind and 25 year old on the other side of the world feeling a bit sad I burst into tears and this man comes along and he said oh are well, you okay come back to my house and I'll and I'll you know make you a cup of tea and my mum's going no <laughs> but I didn't know so it was really but it uh it it didn't work out very well because they the, the dad came and they had this big party and the dad came to me and said come to my room after the party is that a good saudi arabian accent yeah. come to my room um and and i said to one of the filipino girls and they go do not go and i'm so naive not knowing what actually that meant mm. anyway i didn't go but um i did some washing and a little doily got caught up in my, you know, when you stick it in the dryer, it, the static electricity gets caught up. Mm. So a, like a tatty old doily got stuck on my towel and so they accused me of stealing. Mm. Um, they wanted to um, go through my bags and I said, that's it, I'm going. But the guy on the gate had a gun and he pulled out his gun and they're coming down from the, from the palace, like this great big long entrance going, stop, stop, thief. And I thought, oh, in Saudi they, chop thieves hands off mm. it was pretty it was pretty crazy i had called a taxi like i got up in the middle of the night and found the phone 
called a taxi. So there was a taxi on the other side of the fence, the armed guard on this side of the fence with his hand on his gun going, wait there, wait there. People running down from the palace going, stop, stop, thief. I'm bawling my eyes out. It was very, very full on. Eventually the guard opened the gate because he was sort of young. He was a Spaniard, so he wasn't a Saudi. Let me through and then uh, I got in the taxi, but I only had enough money for him to take me to the bus stop because the, ta- the airport was further away than I had money for. Did you have your passport? I had my passport, I got that back off her. So you escaped? I escaped, yeah. I waited for the bus at the bus stop, got to the airport. My plane was delayed for four hours and I thought, they come to my get plane, me. yeah. So yeah. I sat on a toilet cubicle for four hours, waiting for my flight to be called. And every step towards that flight, I thought, they're gonna get me. But they didn't, and I got wow. on the plane. So the recruitment agency were right. <laughs> they were right. You do not want this job. Yeah. I think that I was like their 17th nanny in like the last year or something. Yeah. I mean, that should have said something to me, but I couldn't have said no. It was too exciting yeah, not to take totally. it. Totally. But like the wealth of it. Yeah. Was it overwhelming? Oh, like, she had this car that I had, I took photos. I've got, a, I've got lots of photos. Um, it was a custom-built car that we all went out to get, I don't know, some presents for this party that they were having. And her car with her in it couldn't get over the speed hump because she was so fat. We all had to get out. Really? And let this car go over this speed hump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so yeah. much money. So much money. Yeah, yeah. and what, what did the, the father do? Travelled around the world yep. having parties. I don't yeah, know. but what did you do for, to make money? He was just a prince, and that was it. Yeah, well, his dad would have been because there's lots of princes, so it, they must have been it. They weren't the prince or the king. Yeah, but she was his mum, but the kids called him dad and her mum, knowing mm. that he called her mum. It was all very weird. Yeah. Yeah. And you escaped with your life. Yeah. So what did you do after that? Um, I went to Paris because I knew someone in Paris, uh, but then I didn't stay long. I'd been away for six months. Were you speaking French then? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 So that would have been good to yeah. go and yeah. try it out for real? Yeah, yeah. And every time I've been since, I've been three or four times since, yeah, my French improves. Yeah. But then you lose it when you come here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but I have classes every week. If you're not doing it, you lose it. Yeah, that's right. Like anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I've got a like a group of five girls and we meet every week. And we've yep. been doing that for about five years. And French class, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. it's good. So you've spent your life in the medical industry, pretty much. You know, before you went across to yeah. over there, you qualified as a nurse. Yeah. And you would have done some interesting and unusual jobs. Uh, well, I worked for a long time doing uh, esophageal manometry which is measuring the, the pressure of the lower esophageal sphincter, which is at the bottom of the esophagus, just before the stomach. Yeah. Um, and anorectal manometry, which is measuring the other end, um, for people who are incontinent, lots of women who had had um, you know, bad obstetric care or forceps delivery or uh, just old, old women. Um, and then we did... So just go back to the esophagus. Why do we need to measure that? Uh, because you don't want to, you don't want the co- contents of the stomach coming up into the esophagus. 
And what would cause that to? Um, well, your lower esophageal sphincter could could stretch because of a hiatus hernia. Um, that's usually the reason, given your reflux, yeah. Okay. That's why the, you know, fucking every person's on Tazac or Zantac or Nexium, trying to decrease your stomach acid so you don't have reflux. Because really? it's a precursor to esophageal cancer if you have um, esophageal reflux unabated without being treated. So they're on all the drugs to reduce the acid, but why are they so acidic? Diet? Well, probably, yeah. But that's a separate issue. I mean, if you reduce the stomach acid, then you're reducing your ability to digest your food. <laughs> so, you know, you need the stomach acid. It's there for a reason. Yeah. Every drug has a side effect, which you then need something else for. A vicious cycle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that was a really good job. I really liked that. But interestingly, and this is completely going sideways on a tangent, Daisy, who you've done a podcast on, yeah. when she was 11, she had an eating disorder and I was doing esophageal manometry at the time. And so I left because of course, looking after Daisy was a full-time job. Um, and she was hospitalized and they had to tube feed her and they sent her home and we said, well, now what? And they said, oh, well, you know, you just got to do the best you can. And the, the average hospitalization was two or three times before that patient sort of thought, no, this is a bit, you know, too much, I'll just get better or I'll start eating or I'll get even worse and die. Mm. Um, anyway, but having that skill of putting the nasogastric tubes down, I've been doing that for 12 years or so, enabled me to tube Daisy, tube feed Daisy. How good's that? Yeah, but it was probably the single most awful, distressing, horrific thing I've ever had to do, mm. ever. Mm. From what point of view, just watching your daughter? Well, we had to hold her down because of course she had like superhuman strength because she didn't want the food. So even Charlie was involved. He was like only 15 and he would hold her feet and Richard would hold her arms and I'd have to put this tube down. It's the most awful feeling. She'd never had a, isn't it gastric tube put in? And of course, if I put it into the wrong hole, <laughs> if I put it down in, if I put it down into her lungs, I've got to squirt food into it. I'll kill it. Mm. So it was very, very distressing. But it was the single thing, I think, that made her, got her better. Mm. Because if they're underweight, their brain's just not thinking. Yeah. It's, they're not. So they have to put the weight on before they can start thinking mm. straight and thinking normally. Mm. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't even drink water. Mm. She was like a, she was a shadow. She was so thin. <laughs> I wonder how many stories there are that have gone the other way because the mothers haven't had the skill you had, even though it was distressing. Yeah. They haven't had the skill to be able to yeah, no help one. and they just have to watch. Yeah. So I talked for a little while about maybe offering that service to other people, like mm. going around, but I just didn't know how to, mm. how to deliver that. But also Daisy, you know, she didn't get better straight away. Mm. It was a long, slow process. Yeah. That's heavy duty. Yeah. Yeah. But she's ace now. She is. Oh. Mm. She's just... Cruising yeah. around Australia in a van. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a good outcome. Good story. Yep. Yeah, it is. She's lucky to have you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Who would have thought that that sort of training would prepare you for that? No, well, it's a very obscure job. It's very specific. Even nurses and doctors, oh, not doctors, but the nurses, I'd say, I do esophageal monometry, and they're like, what? What's that? Mm. Mm. But I loved it. It was really good. Everything we do gets us ready for the next thing. Yeah, yeah, that's We just right. don't know it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So while I was working there, I was also working for an integrative doctor, um, and he did intravenous um, high-dose vitamin C for cancer patients and autoimmune disorders and um, lots of young kids with um, chronic fatigue and Guillain-Barre and things like that. And I loved that. I was there for nearly 10 years. Um, so all my kids have all had vitamin C. I just bring all the stuff home and go, right, <laughs> hook it up on a, on a coat hanger in the lounge room. Yeah. Um, so did you see an increase in children with those kind of ailments throughout that 10 years? Um, there were lots of kids who had chronic fatigue, yeah. Mm. yeah. What, were you able to drill that down to a, a cause or? No, no. I was more interested in the cancer patients. I had lots of cancer patients. Mm. And they all seemed to have a, like a, um, what's the word? So let's say the, the, the patients who had breast cancer were often very nurturing mothers who put others before themselves. They you know, put their kids first. The ones who had ovarian cancer often had mother issues. Either they had an issue with their mother, they couldn't get pregnant, or they, you know, they were adopted, or you know, their, their mother or their mother-in-law was tricky. Um, had one guy who, whose daughter had died of an um, asthma attack when she was 15, and he's never, ever, ever spoken her name since. Mm. And have a guess where his cancer was. In his throat. In his throat, mm. yeah. So I fully believe that cancer and other diseases have you know, metaphysical relationship. That's interesting because that's never yeah. talked about, is it? Yeah. Mm. But it well, in the, norm, in the normal medical no. circle, it's no. not talked about. No. Um, and, you know, mum had breast cancer and mm. grandma and Auntie Angel and who else? Auntie Anne. Auntie Anne, mm. yep. So there are lots of women in our family with breast cancer. And mum went to go and have that test, that bracket test, but she didn't want to do it because she said if it's positive, then that'll be like a sentence mm. for me. Like pointing the bone. Yeah, so she didn't do it. But her niece, Andrea, my cousin, had breast cancer after her, her mum had already died. And our mum had died, yeah, I think. Um, so Andrea went and did it and found out that she had the BRCA gene, which meant that we could all go and do it. Um, so I went and did it and Andrea's got two sisters and one of her sisters had it and I have it and another one of our cousins Louise but all the others were negative so there was only a few which because it's 50 50 mm. chance so I sat with that knowledge for about seven years yeah um, and then what is the BRCA gene issue uh, it's a it's a mutation that um, now let me get this right. It so normally you, you might have cancer at any point in time in your body, mm. but your body normally recognizes that, that it's not normal. And um, apoptosis is cell death, and so a cancer is just a rapidly dividing group of cells. And apoptosis um, occurs, and it stops that rapidly dividing cells. Okay. So anyone. So can, your body, on a daily basis, is fighting cancer. Yeah. So that's why, well. that's why there's so much over-prescribing over of 
of testing and, and biopsying because you could have a, a little cancer there and find it opportunistically, but your body was going to deal with it anyway. Ah, okay. And then all of a sudden you go and have surgery and chemo and all this sort of stuff, but your body probably was going to deal with that anyway yeah, or, right. or could have. Um, but the BRCA gene, the mutation is the apoptosis is gone haywire. So the rapidly dividing cells are gone unchecked and, the, and they don't get stopped. That's the theory. Um, and so I sat with that for a while thinking, well, no, I'm not going to get breast cancer because I believe that I could probably not talk myself out of it, but I could talk myself into it, certainly. Mm. Um, but then I think my other cousin got breast cancer and I thought, ah, oh, shit. So I had a double mastectomy and that was freaking humongous. Mm. And incidentally, that was just before Daisy had breath, had um Anorexia, so you know, I had to, that was a side issue I had to deal with. Kind of felt. So, did you have a double mastectomy without any tests of showing positive for cancer? No, I had some tests. Yeah, okay. Because that was important. Yeah. Uh, blood tests and things like that. Yeah. Um, no need to do biopsies and things like mm. that. But once they took all the breast tissue out, it was all checked and it was all completely fine. Mm. Um, and that was yeah about eleven years ago. Mm. Um, when Daisy was 10 mm. and it's been 10 years ago because she's 20 now yeah um, and so Daisy's talked about it since and she thought that I actually had breast cancer because she was so young it's hard to explain what mm. why your mum's going in for surgery yeah um, and there's part of me that regrets it um, and there's part of me that also thinks well after Daisy had her anorexia it was so distressing i probably would have got breast cancer after that yeah okay because i was so you know that i fit that mold of that woman i was telling you about before that mm. the mother that puts everything aside for their child mm. i mean you look at who was it superman's wife mm. she nursed him nursed him nursed him nursed him and then she had breast cancer and died mm. Christopher um, Reed. it's very yeah mm. it's very very common mm. um from what i've seen yeah okay yeah. So I wasn't meant to have breast cancer, mm. um, but my cousins are not so lucky. They've had, they've been through the gamut and had lots and lots of problems. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so peop someone said to me, you should probably get your ovaries taken out. And I thought, well, there's been no ovarian cancer in our family. I don't think I need to do that. I don't want to keep taking parts of my body out just in case, because I'm afraid fear based decision. Um, so I decided not to do it. Um, and then my cousin Megan, who had had pretty advanced breast cancer, got ovarian cancer. Fuck. <laughs> okay. So, um, so sort of six months after her, I went in and had a bilateral oophorectomy, which is a um, removal of your ovaries. Just prophylactic, which means preventative, um, and they found a cancer. And that was like, what mm. hit me a six but you know mm. not not um expected at all mm. because I, um, ovarian cancer symptoms are often very delayed by the mm. time you've got symptoms it's probably too late so could this have been a, a minute amount of cancer that your body was going to deal with anyway potentially yeah, yeah. okay yeah right yeah you don't know but that, who though. would know yeah and while i was doing you know working with the integrative doctor i saw the ravaging effects of chemo and thought i'm never going to do chemo mm. But when you're confronted with a cancer that 
is an insidious, awful cancer. It's not like a, you know, a, a cancer that's got its own little sack and pocket and you can take it out and then it's completely gone. Do you know, I've got kids that I've got to live for. Mm. This is 2019. Mm. Um, so I had chemo and um, during that time I thought, well, I'm killing this. I'm a freaking rock star. You know, I rode my push bike to chemo. And um, I thought, this is supposed to be a life-changing experience. What am I missing? And um, I felt exactly the same. And I thought something's, something's happening, but I couldn't, I don't know whether I was shutting it out or whether I'd blocked out too much, you know, from my past and not, not wanted to deal with it. Anyway, then, I had to go in and have my uterus taken out because they said that it had spread a little bit. So that was um, just before Christmas, 2019. I had my uterus out and they found another one. Fuck. <laughs> so, so I had to have another six months of chemo. And um, while I was recovering on the couch from the um, surgery, uh, I, I couldn't drive because major, major, the open you up surgery. Um, Daisy and I had resumed our pottery classes that we'd been going to the year before. And so I had to get Richard, my husband, to drive us to pottery. And um, we hadn't been having problems, but you know, they'd, for a long time there'd be un been underlying unhappiness. Um, he'd had PTSD from a long time ago. Um, and he was had a few anger issues, and um, he was driving us to pottery, and he snapped at me, and I went, "Ha, huh, okay, now I get it." And uh, and the next day he moved out, mm. um, and that was Valentine's Day, um, twenty twenty. So. Let's get this straight. You had chemo, double, or did you have double chemo at this stage? Or just I was set? due to start chemo the next day. Chemo, cancer, chemo, separation, COVID. <laughs> yeah, COVID just All started. All in the same yeah. week. Yeah. 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 Wow, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell's all right. Mm. <sighs> mm. So I started the next lot of chemo. And obviously I couldn't go to work. They wouldn't let me go to work. I felt fine. Mm. Um, so you said before that it was ravaging, you, but you didn't feel that in your case. What was ravaging? The chemo. What you witnessed on the effects, oh, the effects of yeah. it on other people. Yeah. Well, I had vitamin C. Um, I had acupuncture every week. I took in a fucking Tibetan singing bowl. <laughs> Dinged that while I was having the chemo. Um, People looked at me, but I didn't care. Um, I didn't for once think it was toxic. I didn't believe that it was, even though I'd had that experience. Yeah, you're right, I did say that. But for me, it was different. Um, mm. But when Richard left, um, I, I cried every day. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, okay, it's hitting me now. And I was kind of excited because I thought- Were you crying about the fact that you had cancer or the fact that your marriage was crumbling or? Yeah, all of the above. All of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say you'd be entitled. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm crying for Mum. Mm hmm. Crying for Megan. Mm hmm. And Andrea, of course. And all the others. But it was a good, it was like a, it was like literally sledgehammer crack me open. Yeah, which is probably good timing because of COVID. Because <laughs> mm. I wouldn't want to be asleep for that. Mm. Mm. So very, very, very painful. Yeah. You know, even when you think you don't want to be with someone, to be with someone for 25 years and then not be, it's really hard. Mm. good thing you don't have a camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty ugly when I cry. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the chemo, it went fine. I lost my hair. I thought I looked pretty cool with bald hair. Bald, bald hair, bald head. Um, but yeah, I couldn't go back to work because they deemed me vulnerable. Mm. Um, and then all the PPE was coming in and the masks and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I did another six months of chemo, which took me up until, actually it was three months, took me up until May 2020. And the, the, the chemo finished and the oncologist wanted me to take these more drugs. I can't remember what they were called, some more sort of chemo kind of drug. And I said, well, how long do I have to take that for? For the rest of your life. Mm. I said, I don't want to do that. He said, if you don't do this, you'll be incurable. They were his words. I said to him at, when I first was diagnosed, I knew the answer, but I was just testing him. I said, so do I have to change my diet or anything? No, eat whatever you want. I said, what, seriously? I can eat KFC and bollies. Yeah, why, do you want to see the dietitian? I said, no, but shouldn't, shouldn't you be telling people to change their diet? Mm. Like, you know, shouldn't I have an alkaline environment and you know, lack of sugar? He goes, no, there's nothing wrong with sugar. I said, yeah, but you give me, PET scan is radioactive sugar because the cancer cobbles it up. Any moron could see, well, cancer likes sugar. It was a no-brainer to me. So I radically changed my diet, not that I had much sugar anyway. Got rid of gluten, dairy, never drank alcohol anyway, so don't, that wasn't a problem. Um, radically changed my diet and I was super duper healthy. Apart from losing my hair and I had constipation, which was awful from the drugs that they give you to stop the nausea, causes constipation. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I was, I felt pretty good. As I said, I rode my bike there. Because of all the measures that you were doing on the I side. I think so, that, that, yeah. they, he, that they didn't include in a normal protocol. He made me promise not to do vitamin C because he knew where I worked. I just said, yeah, yeah, no what, Why would he do that? Because he said that it interferes with the chemo. But I think it only helps with the side effects. Mm. Um, yeah, and as I said, I had acupuncture every week. Um, rode my bike, went swimming, went to my French class. Everything was normal. Do you think that we've got it all topsy-turvy, how we treat people? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. You, you don't want to go to hospital. You want to run a mile from the hospital. If mm. you're sick, I want to go into the forest and meet one of those women from yesteryear that picked berries and you know, rubbed you with a with a leaf that she found. Mm. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what we need to get back to. Mm. Yeah. 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 
I feel a connection to those women, but the nursing that I've had to do is bullshit. Oh, it's, you know, you, you've got a patient that needs you and being able to hold their hand, but you're not even allowed to hold their hand. Yeah, well, there's so much power in um, wiping someone's brow. Yeah. And uh, just sitting with them, but yeah. there's no time for that. Mm. Mm. It's more of a clinical approach. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to have this medicine now. Mm. It's 10 o'clock. Mm. Yeah. I haven't worked in a ward for a long time. I did um, worked in recovery for a long time um, with patients having colonoscopies and things like that, minor surgery. So they were largely well when they'd wake up. Mm. Yeah. 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 And this, I'm telling this joke just for Kim, but ask Kim about the time when she came in and had a colonoscopy. Okay. <laughs> so I recovered her, but I won't tell you the story. Yeah. Um, in joke for Kim to laugh at. Um, well, that same year, uh, was it 2000? No, the following year, 2020, you got your truck license and... No, that was 21. 2021 was yeah. it? You got your truck license and learned to drive a snowcat. Yeah. Which is a it. bit of a turnaround for someone that's on death's door. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That was ace. Mm. That was a really awesome experience. Mm. Yeah. Really it just took it. you outside of mm. where you'd lived for your entire life yeah. in that medical world. Mm. Yeah. Well, we had to sell the house too. So that all happened all at the same time. That was really hard. Mm. I know it's just a house. It's just bricks and mortar. But, you know, we'd been there for 25 years. Mm. And it was such a beautiful house and we had such good memories there. Yeah. When we sold Gawler Court after Mum died, that was hard too. I don't know whether you were there. No, I wasn't no. there. Well, I you didn't live there for very long. No, I no. didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Because yeah. that was like the last place you could go to and feel Mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, re I felt that. I thought my kids are not going to have this. Mm. Where's, where's their home? Mm. 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 Yeah. It's a hard thing to, to manage and it takes a lot of years to mm. be able to deal with it, but it's yeah. so common. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's tied up with having kids and how they feel and trying to make them, you know, comfortable and not hurt so much. Mm. I mean, you need your kids to hurt because that's how they learn, but fuck, I'd take it every day of the week. Mm. Well, we're going if back to the, when you started talking, saying that people that yeah. normally get sick are the ones that devote yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as a parent, you can't help it, can you? No, no. You always want to look out for your mm. kids or look mm. after your mm. kids or mm. bail them out or whatever. Mm. But, yeah, that, that year was really hard. And I've told all my kids this, so it won't come as a shock. But if I didn't have kids, I probably would have killed myself last year. No, not last year, the year before. 2020, 2019. 20, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just the, the the splitting from Richard. It was, yeah, the COVID awakening as well. You know, learning about the state of the world and how it how it is. Yeah, that fucked with me. Yeah, yeah. and still does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was the kids that snapped you out of that. I want to bail out of this joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would have done it. And you know, saying it, am I being self-indulgent and you know, making making light of it, I I felt pretty desperately in despair that year. Yeah, mm. yeah. But doing my truck license and going to the snow is is the probably the one thing that started to revive me. Yeah, because yeah. it was so fun. 
Mm. And being there with you and Ellie mm. was ace. Mm. Driving that truck, mm. fuck, I was scared. Mm. It's pretty scary. It's a big, big machine. Mm. You drive it with your tiny fingers. Mm. It's like weird. Mm. But yeah, it was really, really good. And being in the snow, being immersed in nature was just Yeah, there's something magic. about yep. uh, the Alpine region where it just, yep. um, it's mm. like you're away from the rest of the world. Yeah. In this tiny little white bubble, mm. there's, there's therapy there, mm. and uh, yeah, I thought that yeah. it probably was going to be a good thing. Yeah, it, w- it was, yeah. and I'm sorry it was cut short. Yeah, we could have got Dan Andrews to thank for that. Yeah, yeah, living in Melbourne's pretty awful. Oh, I can't imagine mm. what it would have been like. I, mm. I mean, mm. I grew up in Melbourne, but I'll never ever go there to yeah. live again, yeah. ever. Yeah, it's just no, it's not the place mm. that I grew up. Mm. So now what? So now um, I've got a job starting, well, I'm in Adelaide today. I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, I've got a job starting next week um, looking after a 99-year-old man who's palliating. Um, what does that mean? That means he is going to die. He's, he's, there's no more treatment that can help him. He knows him. he's going to die? He's got cancer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think he's reasonably with it. I haven't met him yet. Mm. Um, I've spoken to his daughter and we'll be nursing him at home because he's not um, being given treatment in hospital because he's unvaccinated. So the hospital won't treat him and provide palliative care for him because he's not vaccinated? Yeah. Well, that's a pretty fucked scenario. Yeah, well, that's the state of healthcare at the moment. I'm not allowed to work. Mm. And I'm a really good nurse with a lot to offer, but... But my coworker who's vaccinated can can get COVID. But I'm not allowed to work. Anyway. So that in this family's case, have they asked for unvaccinated people to manage their father? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, that's that's the new yeah, way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 So I'm working with Kim and with Alma, who you did a podcast on last week. Mm. Um and another doctor called Catherine, who's amazing, Catherine Fyans. Mm. You should get her on. Mm. <laughs> um, to, yeah, to change healthcare. Mm. And I believe in the med beds. Yeah, right. And I want to be there when that's rolled out. I want to be an operator of that if that's possible. Mm. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see because we don't know anything about that no, yet, do we? No. That's a secret. And well, the Rife machine's real. People are using that, mm. and it's based on the same kind of technology. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the lady who has the float centre in Adelaide's got one. A Rife machine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, keen to ask her about mm. that, but do your research. Do your research, yeah. yeah. Do your research. It could be bullshit. No, that's right. Well, yeah. I did my research on the saunas, and that's why I got an infrared sauna, mm. and you've got a sauna. Mm. Um, I did that all through the PMO as well. So that was part of your uh, recovery, was to get into a sauna? Yeah. Well, I didn't, I actually had got that after the, um, that wasn't all through the chemo. Mm. Um, But it was part of your plan, I need to get, I need to do all these things from a health point of view. Yeah. 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 So I think I'm pretty healthy. Mm. Yeah. And I journal a lot, I write a lot to, you know, figure out my emotions and how I feel and... I think that's just as important. Mm. You know, the thoughts you tell yourself are just as toxic as eating a fucking KFC. Mm. 
Mm. So we need to... Um, That's why you chip me every time I say I'm getting old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Because it's your beliefs that all... Like if I believe that, oh, my, my ovarian cancer is going to come back and I'm going to die, well, I probably will. Mm. But I don't believe it. I'm going to live till I'm 100. Mm. I've always said that. And I would say that getting cancer is probably the single best thing that's ever happened to me. Really? But at the time you wanted to kill yourself? No, it wasn't because of the cancer. Oh, no. Okay. No, that was after that. Right, okay. Like after Richard left and with COVID and sort of, because Daisy, well, Daisy was there, but Charlie had moved out. Richard wasn't there. And a lot of my friends, they just, just wouldn't talk to me because of thoughts and ideas that I had. They, they were at odds with them. Mm. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's been one of the most difficult things where mm. um, society at the moment is happy with segregation. Mm. And it, depending on where you um, get your information from, if it's fed to you in a mainstream fashion, well, you're going to have certain ideas. Mm. But it would seem that they're happy with uh, their co-workers losing their jobs because they've got a different idea to it and yeah. you know, you're now not allowed to have a choice. Mm. If you choose to not have a medical procedure, you're out of work, sorry. Mm. And uh, unfortunately our co-workers are happy with that. Well, some of them aren't, yeah. but some of them don't know what to do. They mm. don't know. Mm. Well, we don't know people's personal situations mm. financially. They can't afford to lose mm. their jobs. Mm. or. Mm. Um, but it's That's right. definitely an interesting conversation with regards yeah. how how yeah. you find out the true friends. Mm. Well, I've had a couple of conversations with some close family members that were not very happy, mm. and that was really hard too. Mm. Yeah, to think that now okay, I've lost some friends, but to potentially lose some family members. Yeah, well, you that you can look around the world, and there's people that have that, yeah. Is worse than that. Yeah, I know. Way I know worse. there's always people worse off than me. Way worse where they've, they just can't, mm. their, their family can't mm. see eye to eye anymore mm. Mm. and maybe never will. Mm. And the yeah. government or the media has done a beautiful job on it. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm lucky I've got you to talk to and others. Well, I think it's important to yeah. have you know, people around you that, yeah. that can support you in any conversation. Yeah, yeah rather than, mm. no, I'm not talking about that. Mm. Mm. We and have Kim. To, we have to talk. Yeah, I wish Kim was a man, because I'd totally marry her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you still could? Yeah, nah. Nah. Mm. <laughs> so. It's been a big year then. It's been yeah. a big couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I can see the light. Can you? Yeah. 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 In what way? Um, well, meeting these girls, Alma and Kim and uh, Catherine. You know, we did a trip to Canberra last yeah, week. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm. Um, and I, th it, I heard there was like a couple of thousand people there. <laughs> I reckon there was at least one and a half million. At least, mm. yeah, mm. probably more. Yeah, um, knowing that there's a there's a spot for me in their plan to, you know, revolutionise healthcare. 
yeah, to be able to help this man next week. I'm not, I don't even know his name yet. Um, yeah. So what, what is it? What's their plan to revolutionise? Oh, well, just to do that, to start, you know, delivering healthcare to people that can't get access to hospitals. Mm. Um, there's nurses groups out there that you register your, um, your skills. Like I'm, I can cannulate, I can also intubate. So, you know, I can do that. Um, you know, the, I think the cannulation will be a, that'd be a big one. People needing vitamins and um, high dose intravenous vitamins. Um, so I'll register that and then it'll start from there. Mm. I'm sure there's a lot more doctors out there than we know about. I think they're probably scared because they get their licenses taken off them or their, their registration. They've worked all their life to yeah. get that license. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I feel for them. Yeah. But, you know, talking to Bruce Pay, you have to you have to draw a line in the sand yeah. and mm. stand your ground and mm. say, no, mm. this isn't right. Yeah. You know, based on my training, this yeah. isn't right. Yeah. And that's exactly what Catherine's done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 We need to have more of them to stand up. Mm. Mm. And the more nurses, because they're the workforce of the hospitals. The doctors can call the shots, but they can't nurse the patients. They don't know how to do that. Mm. And going back to real nursing. Yeah. 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 Rather than clinical nursing. Yeah. 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 You know, you stick the thing on their finger, it takes their pulse. Well, I want to feel their pulse. I want to feel their wrist. Is it thready and slow? Is it bounding? Is it, you know, you can't tell that from a pulse oximeter. So there's not just a pulse? No. Right. No. Mm. You know, and you have to be able to touch them. Yeah. Do yeah. they feel hot? Are they clammy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. They kind of well, that's all them. part of the diagnosis that yeah. you, that you must yeah. follow before you mm. prescribe. Mm. Mm. Yeah, whereas, that's what Bruce said. Yeah. Whereas mm. at the moment we're prescribing first. Yeah. Well, it's all it's all paperless. You stand there with your PPE on and you look at the patient and you say, "Okay, you can get up now." And they do it, and you don't you don't even touch them. Mm. Yeah. It's important. Every touch. single one of my patients, I'd hold their hand until they wake up. Yeah. And then when they woke up, there was someone right there. I mean, you have to stand there, but a lot of a lot of the other nurses would just stand there. It's important. Mm. Well, I think that's what I'd want. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's I don't what, do it just to be, you know. It's what our mums did. Yeah. Way back then, when you were sick, mm. a bit of there there goes a long way. Mm. Mm. I tell that to my wife Ellie all the time. Yeah, and also I've done Reiki, so I believe that I'm, you know, helping them with maybe some universal energy mm. as well. People think I'm fucking bonkers, but I used to give a shit. <laughs> what people thought. Yeah, yeah. And I still do a little bit, <coughs> but I'm getting better at that. Mm. Yeah. 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 Good on you. Mm. Um, you mentioned earlier about the vitamin C and other sorts of vitamins and stuff yeah. like that. and It's a big business. The vitamin business yeah and um, a lot of people probably don't know what they're taking or mm. what to take or whatever yeah. And, yeah. and and an element of it just gets pissed down the toilet how do you know what to take mm. and how much to take and where to buy it from well I would say that you should have some some blood tests to to see what what, what you're you, lacking what you're lacking what you check your diet probably see a naturopath or Probably not a dietitian because they tell you the food pyramid 
is mm. what you need to do. Which, um, you know, if it's if you can pick it out of the ground or off a tree, then it's going to be good for you. Mm. Um, and the whole gluten intolerance thing is just what they spray on the crops. It's yeah. completely separate to celiac disease. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Celiac disease is lacking an enzyme so that you can't process the gluten and it damages your small intestine, the villi in the small intestine. It's completely different to gluten intolerance, mm. which is just where you get a bit farty and, mm. yeah. Mm. But the microbiome is the thing that they should be looking at. What's that? It's, the, it's all the bugs that live in your gut. There's more bugs living in your gut than there are cells in your body. Really? Yeah. And they make the neurotransmitters, which, are, which is, you know, how you function. It's the, it's the second brain. It's probably the more, even more important one. So that's, are you talking in, in simple terms? That's when you know if you've got a crook gut or something like that, your day doesn't go too well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very hard to test it without doing a poo test mm. to look at all the different combinations of bugs and to keep it right in this day and age would be pretty difficult because the food and there's so many preservatives and things in our food and they just kill the bugs. Right. But the bugs are good, but you don't want too many bad bugs, but you need the bad bugs. So you need them both. You need them in a balance. And how do you do that? It's a million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> you see someone who, who knows what they're doing and you trust them. Mm. And a guy called Henry Butt, which is hilarious, B-U-D-T-T, in Melbourne, he's awesome. And he knows what he's on about. Right. Yeah. So give him a call. Yeah. Yeah. But your you function, functional doctor or integrative doctor should know. Can you tell though, just in general, if you're on track or not? Is there any telltale signs? From a microbiome point of view? Yeah. I don't know, you have a nice poo every day. You, you're able to digest your food without bloating. Yeah. Um, you know, you eat, you know, some kimchi or some sauerkraut or, you know, fermented foods regularly. I mean, kombucha is just a, a bit of a gimmick. Is it? But that type of thing, if you can do it yourself, like get a SCOBY and get it in your house and make it yourself. Mm. Um, the, the body's so finely balanced, but it's also so, so intelligent and it knows what to do. Mm. And healthcare has, and especially with these stupid vaccines, they're telling us that our bodies are stupid and that we need these external things for our bodies to function properly. Our immune system knows what to do. It's very, very clever. Yeah, well, I was hoping you were gonna mention the immune system. Yeah. We were born with it. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah. pretty friggin' awesome thing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in the last two years, we've been told that uh, it doesn't work. Mm. Mm. But it does. Yeah. 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 You just have to get out of the way and let it. Yeah. 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 And you have to get in the dirt and you have to get a bug every year. I've never had the flu vaccine in my life. Mm. And I have a little, every now and again, I go, oh, I've got the flu. I feel a bit achy. I'm in bed for a day and then I go back to work. Mm. That's what we should do. Mm. Bugs are normal. They're never going to stop. Mm. They're going to be around till, till day dot. Well, the, the lockdowns. Uh, or contributing factor to a, a vitamin D deficiency, mm. which was interesting. Mm. 
you know, if you were talking about wellness, yeah. you know, we need to be out. Yeah. Well, you told me that Ellie went to the doctor and had her levels done and the doc- it was 70 mm. and the doctor said that was okay. Mm. That's not okay. Mm. That's not a good enough level. I think I had like 110 and Dennis said, oh, I'd like to get that up towards 120, so take two sprays a night, not one. Mm. But now that we're in summer, you know, I go out in the sun every single day. Mm. Just for 10 or 15 minutes on each side, bare as much skin as you can. Mm. Nude if you can, if you've got a secure backyard. Mm. That's it. But you also need other factors for, for it to, you know, work in your body, like magnesium and stuff. So, you know, all those little trace minerals and things we still need in tiny amounts. Have you taught yourself all of this? or I've done lots and lots of courses. Um, I've done lots and lots of readings. And I've worked in the area for a long time. The guy, the doctor that I used to work for was brilliant. I wonder if that's a part of the problem is that people don't have time and they just yeah. just want to be fed something and just yeah. tell me what I need they to do. They want the magic pill. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I haven't yeah. had time to do any research. Yeah. Just yeah. give it to me. They don't want to stop drinking their Coke. They don't want to stop sitting watching their Netflix. Not that there's anything wrong with Netflix, but we're lazy. Mm. Yeah. And we want that magic pill. Mm. Yeah. But the magic pill just stops the symptoms. It doesn't actually stop the disease or the, or the thing that's going on. Mm. Simply a Band-Aid. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people end up um, towards the end of their life on a lot of drugs that they don't yeah. even need to be on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I worked in a nursing home just recently for a friend who, funnily enough, because I've had COVID in inverted commas, I've had the flu for fuck's sake. So now I've got my little tick, I can work. Um, so I was allowed to work in this nursing home and the average patient is on nine tablets um, and m- often more and polypharma, which is a lots of drugs, that's the term for their, their polypharmic. So they're eight, eight drugs or more, I think it is. I'm like, well, f- three or four should be classified mm. as polypharma, but no. Yeah. Not until you're about eight on eight different drugs, mm. and then all these all these poor old people, they get oh, a bit of diarrhoea. Okay, well let's give them an, something else, or they get to twitch. Oh, let's give them another drug. They just pump them full of drugs, wait for them to die. It's and no awful. one's looking at it, going, "You don't need to be on this or this or this." <clears throat> well, Carolyn's amazing. My girlfriend that runs this um, nursing home, she takes them all out, gets them a little bit of vitamin D. She's trying to get a water filter in there. Oh, that's another thing. I got myself an alkaline water filter. Awesome, awesome thing because we're f- far too acidic. Mm. Um, yeah, it is. I've, I've tried that water and it is pretty awesome. Yeah, but yeah. It's, the cost is yeah. prohibitive for yeah. most households. Yeah. yeah, it is. But if you say it's an investment, it, it's going to cost you this. But it, when you go and do that, for the next five years, that's going to end up costing you as much as that, and you're going to be five years healthier. Mm. It's yeah. always going to be worth the cost. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's the future look like? Future. Well, I think that I've learned that I've got to just go day to day, and today's an awesome day. And You've already had a swim in the ocean. Yeah. Um. So I'm not looking too far ahead. Yeah, well, that's yeah. maybe that's mm. one of the another one of the good things of the COVID is yeah. the day to day is mm. 
is how we plan it. Yeah, because we don't not. we don't know because the rules are changing so often. Mm. We don't know. Can't plan anything really. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't go anywhere. So. Yeah, I'll just plan the next few days. Yep. And go from there. Yep. And that's okay with me. Mm. Yeah. I don't know whether I'd say I was happy. I still cry a mm. lot. Mm. But <laughs> I think because mum never cried, I only saw her cry once in my life ever. And that was the day we found out Chris died. She started crying and then, then she stopped. And she said, now we put the war paint back on. Is that what she said? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I never used to cry. And now I fucking can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I see it as a getting rid of all that, all that stuff, all that trauma, all that, all the pain that it's got to come out because it will cause disease. Mm. Dis-ease, that's what it is. Mm. If you're not at ease, you're going to get sick. Mm. Mm. So it's my superpower. The crying. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Anyway. We should all just have a cry fest. Yeah. Well, it feels good to have a really big, like a... Mm. <laughs> one of them. Mm. It's good. Where snot's coming out your mouth. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. And you look in the mirror and you think, far out. That's, That's a sight. Yeah. That's that an, kind of crying. It's another little therapy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But you always feel good afterwards. Because yeah. it's like an antidepressant. Mm. Did you know that tears, all tears are different? No. When you're crying because you're sad, they've looked at, um, like they've measured it under a microscope, and it's got different properties to if you're crying for joy, they're different. Really? Yeah. And if you're crying because there's an onion, you're chopping onions, that's different again. Wow. Yeah. If you're crying from pain, yeah. Well, I've seen the um, microscope of the water. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's playing... Um, well, it's probably rock. the same sort of comp concept. Yeah, rock music or yeah. whether it's been played yeah. uh, classical music mm. or if the intention is love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the microscopic mm. snowflake, yeah. I'll call it, yeah. Yeah. is either yeah. beautiful or mm. demented. Well, that's the whole point of loving yourself. Because if you tell yourself, oh, I'm old or oh, I'm ugly or you know, my, my bum's a bit big. You're, you're basically water. Not basically water, but we're a we're large percentage of water. That's what our insides are going to look like. Mm. But we've been conditioned through fucking Disney movies and to be the perfect princess. Yeah, that's interesting. Or the, or the knight in shining armour mm. without the grey hairs. and the So we've got a a pandemic of unhappy people who are unhappy with themselves, but basically just looks, looks and nothing. Yeah, we should get rid of our mirrors. Yeah. Well, when Daisy had anorexia, we had no mirrors in the house. We got, we got rid of them all. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, we have to, if we, lo if we all loved ourselves, the world would be so different. But how to do it? The conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if I had the answer, yeah, you could sell this podcast and you could be the next Joe Rogan. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think, though, I look at my kids and I think about how much I love them 
And I think that's all I have to do. I just have to love myself that much. Mm. And I go, that, that's easy. that could be easy. Yeah. Because look at my brother loves me and my other brothers love me and my friends. So I must have something good to offer. Mm. Mm. You do. Yeah. You have a lot to offer. Yeah. I think I do. Mm. And days I just think I'm fucking nobody. Which just contradicts everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a work in progress. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you can't get it right straight mm. up. No. No. Maybe just the minute before we cark it, we'll have gotten it right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd like to get it before then. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm only 50. Mm. Well, 52. I've got another 48 years. Are you lonely? A little bit. Yeah? Yeah. So you'd like to meet someone? Yeah, I would. Yeah? Yeah. I think I'm ready. Yeah? I didn't think I was. I went on a disaster date <laughs> in Melbourne. Broke, broke your ankle? Broke my foot, yeah. Probably That'll gave teach you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I'm ready. Hmm. It's been two years, hmm. so. Yeah. And that's a good amount of time to grieve and process and. Yeah, well, whoever meets you is going to be lucky. Well, I hope that I would be lucky too. Mm. I'm sure there's like someone mm. just waiting around the corner. Mm. Next time you drop your avocado in the shopping centre, he'll pick it up. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that maybe when I'm putting out all those stickers, there might be sticker boy. Yeah, you might find it. Yeah. yeah. Every time I see a sticker that I didn't put up, I'm like, ooh, who put that up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What yeah. are the stickers? They're from the Robert F. Kennedy website, Children's mm. Health Defence. Just free, you just print them off and mm. cut them up. What do they up. say? They say um, the next variant is communism, um, media is the virus. If you think vaccines are safe and effective, you aren't paying attention. Things like that. Mm. They're ace. Mm. Some of them have got little pictures. Yeah. I do not co parent with the government. Mm. That sort of thing. Just put them on rubbish bins and light posts? Yeah, bus stops. There's this, there's this uh, doggy poo bag dispenser near where I live and they keep getting ripped off. So I just keep putting them up. And so I made my own stickers and wrote to you who are pulling these stickers off. I got thousands more. <laughs> and then they kept coming off and so then I put another one and said, why do you think I do this? Do, do you think, um, do you, what have I got to gain and then what have we got to lose? and then they all come off. And then I wrote, I love you, and I will keep fighting for you because I love you. Unreal. Unreal. Good chat. Good chat. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. It's okay.